for continuing to listen. It's great that you're here. Remember that this show is all about judgment-free advice on how to raise value-driven kids in a way that's right for your family using the most current scientific research available. I'm your host, Dr. Deanna Marie Mason. I'm a certified nurse practitioner, published author, and expert on child development. I'm also the mom of two wonderful teenage kids, so I know firsthand how much pressure and misinformation is out there, and that's why I'm here. So grab a cup of tea, settle in, and let's get down to business and talk about a really interesting topic today on limits and discipline. Remember that this is a safe space that you can ask questions and get real honest answers about how to raise kids in a way that works for your family. As I just mentioned, today's topic is limits and discipline. And this is something that I found to be very sensitive with a lot of people. Some parents feel that limits and discipline are the center of parenting. And then we have all the way on the other end of the spectrum, parents who see limits and discipline as something that will take away their child's happiness and limit their ability to grow freely. I have to be honest, I don't have the answer uh, to which of those is correct or which point in between. So I don't wanna talk about limits and discipline in the sense of should you do it or not do it, but more along the lines of why do we use limits and discipline in parenting and how do we use them appropriately so that we actually are using them as a form of education or guidance to our child rather than anything else. That might be a new way for you to think about limits and discipline because most often we think about that in terms of correcting a child or trying to get them to be obedient or change a behavior pattern. And yes, limits and discipline obviously do those things. But more importantly, and from the perspective of science and research and developmental theory, limits and discipline are very much a part of learning that has to happen during the childhood and adolescent years so that your child will be able to go out and be a successful independent adult. So it's really about learning rather than taking away freedom or on the other end of the spectrum, demanding obedience. So if we can talk about limits and discipline kind of in that light today, I think it'll be much easier to understand the information, but more importantly, to incorporate it into your family. If we start to look at limits, which is what we want our child to limit themselves from going beyond and discipline, which is how we encourage them to go back to be within those limits that we set. One of the big questions that comes up with parents is, what is my child capable of? And unfortunately, there isn't a simple answer to that question because there's really cultural norms there. There's different parental expectations. And independently within each child, there can be some fluctuation in what they're capable of based on their character and their personality and their just innate ability. This goes back to a previous podcast that we talked about chronological age 
versus developmental age. So if you haven't taken a listen to that podcast yet, when you finish here, it might be good to go back and review that because it will kind of help put things in perspective also. Going forward, when we're talking about what kids are capable of, we need to take into account their personality, their birth order, their current situation, their innate abilities, all those things. And that will also help us in constructing appropriate limits and applying appropriate discipline to our children. Now, the good news is, of course, that child development is a relatively stable process that every child has to pass through in the same order. So we can learn about what every child should be doing at each age and stage and use that as a general expectation that we need to then fine tune to our individual child. So let's talk a little bit about setting limits and discipline by age group, kind of some big overriding categories here because I know that's really what you're interested in. As I said before, limit setting and discipline needs to be adapted to the age and abilities of your child. So in the end, our limits and discipline are really going to follow the values we want our children to learn at home with us and carry forward into the community. With that in mind, our expectations aren't going to change over the course of our child's life and adolescence. What's really going to change is the way we deliver the message and what expectation we have of our child to meet those values we're trying to teach them. So if we keep this in mind, we're going to be better at teaching values and having better success in limit setting and discipline. If we don't focus only on what our child can or cannot do, but we incorporate that within the values that we want to transmit to them. So each developmental stage is going to demand a different approach to limit setting and discipline. In future episodes, we'll talk more about value and value formation and how that happens. However, I think for most families, learning about limits and discipline is probably a more immediate concern than going through the process of identifying the values that they want to transmit. And I know that can seem like putting the cart ahead of the horse, but there's some commonalities in in creating a sustainable message to your child that begins with limits and discipline that will carry over when we kind of add that more profound layer of values underneath. If you're struggling right now with a child who is defiant or a child who demands to take control in every situation or simply ignores you or does the opposite of what you are asking them to do in order to see your response, you can start to use limits and discipline right now, even if you have not yet identified which values you're trying to communicate in this moment. Keep your eyes and ears open for when that values uh, podcast comes up. But for right now, let's just focus on the limit setting and discipline. Again, to kind of repeat, we need to adapt our message to the age and stage of our child. We know that toddlers 
with their short attention spans and limited vocabularies won't be able to take in really complicated messages or lengthy explanations. Whereas our teenagers who can express themselves completely, they have abstract thought, and they have the ability to kind of listen when they want to, (laughs) to what we're saying and give us feedback, they're going to demand a different focus in how to apply limits and discipline. So keep that in mind that each agent stage is going to need a slightly different evolving approach. So let's talk about some general guidelines that you can use when you want to include limit setting and discipline at home, keeping in mind those developmental ages and stages at each period. Let's start with our smallest ones, our infants, zero to 12 months. Absolutely no discipline is needed at this age. None. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Infants do not yet have the ability to control their bodies or actions at this age. Everything they're doing is an exploration. And there's really something important in that that we don't want to stop or impair. So our job as a parent during this time is to be responsible for keeping them safe, meeting their needs, and communicating love and affection to them. So no discipline is needed at the infant stage, zero to 12 months. However, when we get to toddlers, one to three-year-olds, we must start discipline. And for some families, it seems too early, but developmentally, it is the appropriate time to start limits and discipline. Of course, these need to focus on safety, such as staying in their car seat, not standing on the furniture, staying away from stairs without the assistance of a parent, and obligations. So we can start as part of our limits and discipline to encourage them to pick up toys after playing, not screaming in the house, those types of things. Limits and discipline for for children ages three to five should continue to focus on safety, such as not running into the street, and obligations like getting dressed independently, as well as respect for authority figures, such as parents, caregivers, grandpa, grandma, other family members. This additional part of respect for authority includes their activities such as following directions promptly, listening when an adult is speaking, using please and thank you when asking and receiving items. And all of this is to help them get ready for school attendance and be prepared to work well with others in groups because their world is expanding. For our school-age children, ages 5 to 10, limits and discipline need to continue focusing on safety, like wearing a bike helmet perhaps, obligations, making sure that they brush their teeth independently, that they pack up their own school bag, and respect for authority, like parents, teachers, and neighbors, authority figures, excuse me. And then we need to add another layer that should include respect for peers, classmates or other children at the playground, because this is when bullying starts to become an issue. So we really need to focus on limits and discipline to help them learn empathy. That's the value underlying that. And controlling their desires and wants. 
So at this age, really controlling their ability to be patient, to take turns, to share fairly, to play a board game fairly, follow the rules, not try to find shortcuts, and participate in household obligations, which includes chores, making their bed, helping set the table, load the dishwasher, sorting clothes, being responsible for tasks inside the house that benefit not only them, but other members of the family. That's how we teach shared responsibility. Responsibility. And that, again, is a value that's being communicated with those limits and discipline. Our tweens, ages 10 to 13, still has all those same previous layers of focus on safety, such as not sharing private information on the internet, their obligations, independently doing their homework, and earning acceptable grades for your family, respect for authority figures, such as teachers, parents, and that includes not talking back to adults or yelling, self-control issues, uh, such as delaying self-gratification to complete school projects so they stay off their phone until they get their homework done, or continuing to practice their musical instrument so that they're ready for a concert, and participating in household obligations like laundry, cooking, clearing, setting the table, mowing the lawn, those types of things. And then additionally, we need to add another layer at this age, which is honesty and truthfulness. Avoiding those white lies, partial truths, saying one thing but doing another, blaming other people for their faults starts to become really important at this age. I have another podcast talking about how all lies are not equal at each age and stage. So if you're wondering a little bit more about why this is important, searching out that podcast might be helpful. But in the end, if we get these behaviors in our tweens under control and they understand why those limits are there and they follow them through appropriate discipline, it makes managing the teenage years, which is next, our teenagers 13 to 19 years old, much easier. So just as we've talked about before, everything that we've already said is important about safety, about obligations, about respect, self-control, participating in household obligations, honesty, truthfulness. And on top of that, we need to start to focus on things related to honor, reliability, decency, trustworthiness, and morality. And so those are really big values, I know. But if we look at some concrete examples of what that looks like, it would be being home by curfew because that's a family rule. Going where they tell their parents they're going. Not saying I'm going over to Johnny's house, but really going to visit Susie. Standing up for what's right when they see something wrong. If they see somebody bullying somebody else, they don't join in, but they actually either alert an appropriate adult or they step in and provide some support to the person being hurt. They follow the law. And when they're a bit older, we talk about following consent, making sure that when they're engaging in intimate activity with their partner, that activity is clear and it is consensual between both parties with no coercion or pressure. So as you see here, limits and discipline really are wide and encompassing, but at the end, they are focused on educating our children to do something we want them to learn to do independently. It's not about taking away their freedom. It's not about demanding that they comply to our wishes, but it's about an evolutionary process that goes throughout childhood and adolescence 
that brings them to the point where this is the way they understand life through these values, this lens. And that is how they walk forward into life as they finish maturing into adulthood. Now, everything I've talked about here should be interpreted and used as guidelines based on your unique family values and morals. That said, every child is capable of meeting these expectations at each age and stage in a way that is respectful of their individual uniqueness. And it's by encouraging our children to meet these limits and and using discipline to give them that motivation to stay with it. We're teaching our children to become more independent, self-assured, and capable of performing self-care. In essence, we're helping them become fully functioning adults at the end of this process. And I think that's where we all want to see our children one day, is to be ready to take on the challenges of being an independent adult, being able to support themselves, being able to enter into a relationship with another person that they love and care about and establish their own family or own life independently and free, knowing how to conduct themselves in the world regardless of the situation that they find themselves in, being ready for the good times as well as the bad times. So when we see limits and discipline as the mechanism that we do that, I think it becomes easier to accept our responsibility in doing it. Now you might be thinking, what does this actually look like in real life with my kids? And the truth is, I don't really have an answer for you because every parent is going to choose how they want to do this. And there is no right way and there is no wrong way. But there are five kind of essential things that you need to do for it to work. And if you're wondering on how to actually put limits and how to use discipline to keep children motivated to stay within those limits. In my book, Proactive Parenting, that's available on my website, there is this diagram and a whole chapter related to sitting down, fleshing that out, making a plan of action that you then put into place and use daily in your home with your family. Depending on your child, how many children you have, what ages they are, what your family situation is. Are you single? Are you a married couple? Are you a two mom family, a two dad family? Are you a blended family? Widowed, are you grandparents raising uh, your grandchildren? There's so many different variables there that in this podcast, I can't really address that. Um, I hope to address kind of situational issues in future podcasts, but for now, I want to give you some tips that you can use today to take charge, to feel good about limits and discipline, no matter how you decide to go ahead and get started on this. If you do need more specific help, please take a look at my book and the model that's there to help you kind of write this down on paper and get your head wrapped around it and be able to share that with anybody else you might be co-parenting with. And also feel free to, to drop me an email and ask questions. And we can also take a look at it individually that way. But for now, let's talk about some things that you can do today to start working in this manner of guiding your children towards these values you want to communicate. Now, as I said before, all of our children are unique 
and perfect moment to moment, just the way they are. And they are born with their own desires and preferences based on their personal characteristics and personality. And we know from the moment that they're born, we see them exert those natural characteristics. We see our baby be very sensitive to sight, sounds, and smell. We can see our child be very happy-go-lucky. All problems roll off their back. I mean, kids are born with their own particular way of viewing the world. And I truly believe that individuality is really beautiful. However, our little ones never know what's actually good or bad for them. They have no life experience. They would eat chocolate ice cream all the time if we let them and never a vegetable, but we know that they need vitamins and minerals that chocolate ice cream can't supply. So we need to be the person who's in charge, who guides them towards behaviors that are going to help them grow in a healthy and happy way. We can never give up our responsibility to provide our child with limits and some discipline just in order to keep them safe, which is our primary responsibility. So part of the limit setting and discipline that we use is a way of controlling or putting limits on their desires and impulses to keep them safe and so that they learn how they should take care of themselves in the future. So here are just a handful of guiding principles that you can use now to safely and effectively begin to implement limits and discipline with your children. The first one is set limits and stick with them. Sounds simplistic, but it'd be amazing if you go back and review what you're doing with your child, how many times you flexed your limits based on the situation, their behavior, who else was present. Was it in a store, in public? Was it at home? The fact is children can only learn limits and boundaries if we as parents consistently enforce them. If the limits change depending on if grandma is present or if you're in public in a restaurant versus if you're at home and alone, our children can't learn what those limits are because they're constantly shifting. If we want our child to learn limits and we want to use discipline to keep them inside those limits, we have to apply the same limits and behavioral expectations all the time. That might set us up in certain situations to feel some judgment of the people around us. That in itself is really hard because we don't want to be critiqued. It's hard to know what to say when a neighbor, an in-law, your spouse or partner starts to correct you or undermines you or says, are you sure? And the fact is, If you've thought about your limits well and they're meant to transmit the values of your family, you can look them in the eye and respond, yes, I know what I'm doing. And when you explain it as that, that you're not trying to live through your children, you're not trying to demand them to be perfect or to get something out of them, but you're simply communicating your values as a family through your limits and discipline. It makes it very difficult for other people to truly judge what you're doing. That again goes back to the importance of having all your limits and discipline be directed from a point of the values your family holds dearest or what you want to communicate to your children for them to take forward into their futures. Again, 
This is meant to encourage you to set limits and stick with them. Don't change them during vacations. Don't change them when you're in public. Don't change them based on who is present. Really think about what is important and then use that to set your limits. Use your discipline to keep your kids inside those limits so that they can actually learn what you want them to learn. The second principle is that limits are not negotiable with our children. Children do not know what is best for them. They know what feels good. They know what they prefer. They know what's easiest. But we as parents, from all of our life experience, our knowledge about what values are important to our family, and our ability to understand the consequences to our child that they yet cannot understand or perceive is why we do not negotiate limits or discipline with our children. The caveat to that is when children get older, when they're middle to late teens, there might be some negotiation, might, depending on your family. For our littlest ones, our school-agers, our tweens, and our early teens, we do not negotiate limits and discipline with our children. They will construct what they do based on their wants that come from many, many motivations. Children should never set their own limits. That is our responsibility as a parent to keep our child safe and healthy. We can never give that responsibility to our child. We're always bigger. We're wiser. We're stronger. We know better. And we need to retain that in our relationship with our child. Even when our little ones push and they're like, no, no, other families do this. No, I want this. I think this. We can listen to them. We can acknowledge that they have an opinion. But at the end, because our limits and discipline are being directed by our values, our children need to know that we are the ones who make those choices. The third principle we need to to use when doing limits and discipline is teaching both rights and obligations. Our children need to learn over the course of their life that everyone is born with both rights and obligations. Because we live in community, we live in the community of a family, of a town, within our school, and we're part of a larger global world where we're all interconnected on some level. And we have to have children learn from a young age about their rights and obligations. If we go through our parenting of just always doing what we need to do for our child, but we never expect them to do what they need to do to be part of our family, they can become very self-centered and forgetting that there are other people around them. And that can be really detrimental later on, not just in relationships in the family, but also with peers and friends. And then much later when they're trying to set up an intimate relationship with a significant other. That idea of rights and obligations really fits into limits and discipline because when you set limits, you expect your child to follow them. They have rights to have their limits and discipline to be age appropriate, unique to them and where they're at in their development, and that those limits and discipline are attainable for them so that we're not expecting too much or too little. But their obligation in that is to listen to our authority as a parent knowing more than they do about what is good, healthy, and safe for them, and 
as part of our family, they have the obligation to move with everybody else learning the same thing. So we can't have two siblings being held accountable for their limits and discipline and another sibling being let out of that obligation. Because in the end, they will be taking more time and resources from the other two siblings or from your attention with your significant other or your ability to do self-care. So the idea of limits and discipline really go hand in hand with teaching about rights and obligations because communities, which the family is a little microcosm community, cannot function unless people also manage their obligations, not just demand their rights. The fourth principle is to keep discipline as discipline. Sometimes parents use humor, ridicule, sarcasm, but depending on the age of the child and their developmental level, they may not understand those things because of their cognitive ability. Therefore, it's really important as parents that we keep discipline clear and understandable to each child at each age and stage. Discipline is never a discussion between a parent and a child to come to a mutually agreed upon decision. Discipline is an activity that we do as a parent to help redirect our child into a behavior that fits the values of our family. If we don't maintain our authority to apply discipline, we're going to fall into a negotiation with our child, which undermines that second principle I talked about. Limits are not negotiable with children because they don't know what's best for them. I know that there's some families and kids are really good about getting moms or dads egged into a conversation like a push and pull. Or there's other families where parents have read somewhere that they should listen to their child and validate what their child says and try to work with them. And yes, that is true when our children are older and have abstract thought and more lived experience and they can listen to us and tell about their perspective. But in the very early years, one to 13, it's not appropriate to let them be part of that decision-making process because they do not yet have the ability to understand the consequences of their choices. That does not mean that we don't listen to their frustration, empathize that they're feeling strong emotions, and help them manage those difficult emotions or guide them in managing those. But in terms of the limits and the discipline that happens, they're nowhere in that process. And the fifth and final guiding principle is to educate. I cannot encourage enough to follow up on discipline with discussion. This is after all those strong emotions have been expressed and processed because when our child is really upset, whether they're having a tantrum at two or yelling at us, um, raising their voice or slamming their bedroom door at 13, kids can't process when their emotions are really high. We need to work on managing those emotions first. But once those those heavy, hard emotions are under control, following discipline with discussion helps our child understand why it's so important they stay within our limits and why we had to act as a parent. What that means is we first clarify what our child has done that is not in line with our values or behavioral expectations as a family. 
then describing why we chose the discipline we chose to help them learn something new so they had a better understanding of the situation so they stayed within those limits. Ultimately, the goal with this discussion is that we give our children more information to problem solve and to make better choices in the future. Finally, before closing this podcast, I need to talk about what types of discipline really do not help any family. The science has shown over and over that there's certain activities that parents do that should really be avoided because they can permanently hurt a child physically, emotionally, or psychologically. The first is physical discipline, hitting. We know that it doesn't teach kids anything good. It can be super effective in the short term, don't get me wrong, but not in the way you think. It discourages behaviors through fear, but it doesn't teach kids how to problem solve or make better decisions. It just makes them try to avoid getting hit. So we'd never want to use physical discipline. Shaming is another thing that we need to avoid. When we attack our child for who they are, rather than correcting a behavior, we are attacking the essence of who they are. So let me give you an example of what shaming sounds like versus correcting a behavior. If we were shaming our child, we would say, you are such a worthless, stupid kid for spilling your milk again. Those words, we are focusing more on the child than on their behavior. Discipline is different than that. Discipline focuses on the behavior, not on the child. If we wanted to reframe that in a positive way to discipline, we could say, I asked you not to play at the table. You didn't listen and spilled your mouth. With that type of phrasing, we're focusing on an expectation that the child knew about that wasn't met rather than on an inherent flaw in the child. Another type of correction that we should avoid is hyperdiscipline, which is a type of hovering, intervening constantly before they have any chance to do anything independently. This ultimately takes away their ability to learn self-control and decision-making. We expect all of our kids to make mistakes, make errors in judgment, choose poorly, push limits. That's part of growing. So we don't ever want to create a situation where we never let that happen. We want to always give our child the choice, the freedom to choose to stay within the limits or not and accept and comply with the discipline that we set. So hyper-discipline will halt all of this natural process by taking away our child's ability to direct their own behavior. So in the end, for limits and discipline to work, we need to follow five simple principles of setting limits and sticking with them, not negotiating them with our child, making sure rights and obligations are embedded within that, keeping discipline as discipline, and always following up with education afterwards. And altogether, as our children learn more and more what's expected of them, and that expectation doesn't change, but just is expanded as they grow and mature, they're going to learn to control their behavior. They're going to be able to meet our expectations of limits because they will be internalizing the values that we're trying to teach them. And ultimately, that leads them to be more confident and secure in themselves and ready to take on all the challenges life has to offer. That was a pretty big topic there on limits and discipline today. 
I hope that it gave you some new insight about it and makes you start to consider how to use limits and discipline in your family. Of course, as always, if you have any questions you'd like answered, please send me an email at deanna at deannamariemason.com. And you can find out more about this topic and many other topics on my website blog at proactiveparenting.com. Of course, find and subscribe to my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find me by searching for my name, Deanna Marie Mason, and connect with other parents who are proactive like you. And finally, if you're interested in buying any of my books or online courses, or checking out uh, more on that chapter on limits and discipline in my book on proactive parenting, you can find all of that on my webpage, proactiveparenting.com. Thank you so much for sharing time with me again today. I hope you enjoyed this show. And if you did, please tell a friend about it. I'm going to close here. We're going to be talking more about limits and discipline in the future and also values that all link around today's topic. But I'm going to sign off for now. And I look forward to seeing you in another episode very soon. Until then, bye.